Are you ready for the end of the world? No, 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 not the end. <laughs> not the end yet. The beginning of the new end of the world. <laughs> yes. This is your Community Spirits, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. I almost yawned when he said wake up. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> Just like, this is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we strongly realize we have, um, what is it called? Food hangovers. <laughs> yeah, food hangovers from the holidays. I'm um, almost family hangover too, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> too late. <laughs> Just like, Alright, uh, we've got, let's see, we've got some, this is, uh, interesting news. New Yorkers strongly approve of state's ban on fracking. That's, I actually don't find that too surprising. They, I, I do, I mean, <laughs> you know, people want their backyards polluted. Yeah, well, I mean, I would find it surprising if people in Illinois, people in Illinois don't seem to have the good sense to, uh, oh, don't bash it. our <laughs> listeners. I mean, just like well, I know everyone, our three listeners. I'm sure everyone listening to this show knows that fracking is dangerous. <laughs> um, I don't think we're that informative. You think you think we've convinced people that fracking is bad? I don't know. If you've been listening to this show for years and you still don't think fracking is bad, I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> well, we're entertaining. That's yeah. why. You yeah, know, we're entertaining. We're, could... we're, we're we're the shock jocks of the. Carbondale area, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. eco shock jocks. <laughs> so yeah, New Yorkers strongly approve of the ban on fracking. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's recent decision to ban hydraulic fracturing or fracking in the state is receiving widespread support from the people who live there, according to a new poll. The Quinnipiac University poll released on Monday found that 55% of New Yorkers across the state support Cuomo's decision on fracking. 50% of New Yorkers across the state. <laughs> yes, an <Just> overwhelming... <laughs> where where else would be New Yorkers? I mean, they... they. Yeah, New Yorkers hiding under uh, under rock somewhere in Pennsylvania. It's like, uh, 25% do oppose it. Yeah, so that means there's actually a large number who are still undecided. You know, you hear 55%, you might think, oh, it's about an even split, but no, there's only 25% who actually oppose the ban, so... And then there's approximately another 20% who are undecided. Yeah. So. They haven't heard this radio show yet. <laughs> just like, overall, no political party, gender, age, or regional group disapproved of Como's decision. Yeah. So no specific, it just kind of crossed the board. Yeah, Republicans approved the ban just narrowly, Democrats approved it, young people, old people. And then people who in, live in New York City approved it 56% to 19%. Yeah. So. Yeah, because part of why people were concerned about it is because there was a significant risk of affecting the New York City water supply. Okay. I mean, because people might not think of it immediately, but if you do something upriver from New York, then, yeah. Well, part of it is, you know, we have been bringing information out there, but there really hasn't been any real health studies. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's not new, but in such a widespread way, it's new. Yeah, doing it so widespread is new, and it takes, I mean, people may not know this about science, but science generally takes time. <laughs> like, there are a ton of preliminary... Well, they have to have data to, yeah, yeah so, yeah, if you can't just... Yeah, they need do a data. Quick study. Yeah, so there is a ton of preliminary research. So how come you say data and I say data? 
You say data, I say data. <laughs> Just like so, the preliminary research into the health impacts of fracking ha- conducted so far includes connections between de- birth defects and the proximity of a children child's mother to a natural gas well, increased level of arsenic in water wells near fracking site, and the increased likelihood of respiratory illness and skin problems in people living near natural gas wells in Pennsylvania. You know, most of which are fracked, you know. Yeah. I forget. I mean, it was like thousands of wells in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's thousands. I don't know the exact number of thousands, but it's a lot. And there's even more than that in Texas where fracking originated. Man, if we're going to be shock jocks, we better get our documentation down better. It's like, <laughs> it's like four executives indicated, in, indicated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone's calling me from Canada. What? <laughs> They're like, um, there's a West Virginia a chemical spill. The U.S. Attorney General's office has filed an indictment against four executives of the company that contaminated drinking water for 300,000 West Virginians this past January. Alleging violation. This is like a year later and they're finally, <laughs> they, what? Finally, they finally got <laughs> around to indicting them. They're like, 300,000 people had contaminated water and now they're finally a year later. Yeah, it took them a while. They were probably waiting to see if the bribes came in and they got enough <laughs> just to like stop. <laughs> they didn't bribe enough, so they went th- forward with the charges. <laughs> now, the indictment marks the second time this month that former Freedom Industries, so it's a former CEO of the company. Yeah. So they probably have already done it against the company, I would hope. Now they're doing it against the actual people because they probably found documentation that, because I mean, that's the part of it. Corporations, you know, you go against them and the people aren't responsible. The corporation is because it's, you know, its own entity. Yeah. A corporation is a person. Yeah. There's sort of this firewall between the sort of the executives and the board and uh, legal consequences. But not in this case. If you actually do something uh, egregious enough, they can. OK, listen to ha- how they say all these people ha- ha- are no longer with the company. <laughs> so the CEO the former CEO of Freedom Industries has been charged. Also named in Wednesday's indictment are company ex-president Dennis Farrell, former secretary William Tiss, and one-time vice president. <laughs> they, they, someone's a good writer there. They managed to each way say, these people are no longer with the company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must have all either gotten fired or the company must have collapsed because of this or what. But they're all, they, they were all people involved in this incident in some way, but. <laughs> Freedoms, I love it. Freedoms executives. Yeah. (laughs) Are accused of, quote, failing to exercise reasonable care in its duty to operate the chemical storage facility in a safe and environmentally sound manner, end quote. And that their failure to exercise care was the primary reason for the historic spill. So. Yeah, here's a good quote. It's hard to overstate the disruption that results when 300,000 people suddenly lose clean water, U.S. Attorney Booth Goodwin said at a news conference. This is exactly the kind of scenario that the Clean Water Act is designed to prevent. Well, hopefully it's designed to prevent 10 people not getting clean water. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) But 300,000. I actually remember this story. We talked about it on the show, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, suddenly this town in West Virginia, they just had no water. You know, they had to... For five days, Yeah, you know... And then after that, they couldn't be sure if it was still clean, you know, 
Uh, they didn't have it for five days, and there's still uncertainty surrounding the... If they've really completely cleaned up the water, yeah. Yeah. So, so imagine that if a town, you know, I don't know, ten times the size of Carbondale just suddenly had no water. So indictment brings these people into the public eye as figures allegedly responsible for the spill. You know, that's it's pretty interesting because usually just the company is responsible and they just pay, mm-hmm. you know, a fine. Yeah. And so it's I'm very... um feel goody <laughs> yeah. that you know th- someone is actually being responsible not the company or yeah. the personhood of the company yeah you know? they're actually having the executives have personal responsibility for their own actions <laughs> which is very interesting because i read a study that the majority of very successful ceos are borderline is it sociopaths or psychopaths yeah sociopaths sociopaths mm-hmm. Which means they don't allow emotions to get in the way of their decisions. They just, you know, look at the pros and cons. And, you know, if 300,000 people get polluted, that's, you know, there's a chance of that happening. So what? Yeah. We just, you know, pay the fine and go on. Yeah. That's why it's an important case, you know, because it's... you know, if, if a CEO doesn't know what's going on at the bottom level, they can't really personally be held responsible. But if they're sitting in their, in their boardroom saying, oh, you know what, well, let's not take care of these facilities. Maybe it'll leak into the water, maybe it won't. We'll just get, take a risk. Right. Then they I mean, go to jail. Yeah. That's something you go to jail for. Well, they won't probably go to jail. They'll probably just be fined. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is, you know, large-scale, white-collar crime, people don't usually go to jail. Yeah, they'll probably get a fine, and but we'll see. They, they might actually... Bad news for wheat and eaters everywhere. Global wheat yields are likely to fall significantly as climate change takes hold, new research has shown. The researchers found that wheat production would fall by 6% for every 1 degree Celsius, or that's 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, increase in temperatures. The world now is nearly certain to warm by at least 2 degrees Celsius, or 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, compared with pre-industrial levels. So if you do your math there, let's see, dip, 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 but that's about 12% loss in wheat production. Yeah, that's not a good sign. But some analysis suggests that if greenhouse gas emissions continue to grow at current rates, then a warming of at least 5 degrees Celsius could be in store by 2100. In forecasting the effect on wheat production, now this is the world's, really one of the world's most staple crops, right? I mean, wheat is in a lot of things. I mean, um, basically wheat and corn, right? Yeah, wheat and corn. And then soybeans, probably. Yeah. So the researchers tested 30 computer models against field experiments to establish the most likely scenario. Now, a fall of 6% might not sound dramatic, but as the world's population grows, the pressure on staple crops will increase. Food price riots had already been seen in several developing countries following sudden rises of less than 10% in food prices in recent years, demonstrating the vulnerability of the poor to rice, uh, to grain prices. I mean, mainly it was rice. I mean, I don't know if you followed when there was a shortage of rice worldwide. Yeah. The price here uh, probably went up about 50% in the U.S. I don't know if it went, probably didn't go up that high in other countries where the rice is the primary, you know, base Staple, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that's this reminds me of too is, you know, you mentioned rice, so 
as white as as wheat is going down six percent, rice might also go down a few percentage points, and corn might go down a few percentage points. So, climate change can have a serious impact. So, the scientists behind Monday's report, published as a letter in the peer-reviewed journal Nature Climate Change, said, "Quote: Understanding how different climate factors." Interact and impact food production is essential when reaching decisions on how to adopt to the effects of climate change. Temperature changes alone are reported to have potentially large negative impacts on crop production and hot spots. Locations where plants suffer from high temperature stress have been identified across the globe. So, <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to people locally to find out, you know, um, what plants that they have been historically able to grow and now are having a hard time growing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, if anyone listening has any ideas on that, email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And I would like to know what local staples are being grown. I mean, I know you can buy rice that's been grown in Missouri. That's pretty regularly available in all the stores. Rice land rice. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you know that Missouri was the land of rice land? I didn't know that. The rice land. I didn't either. I just happened to look at this rice. Where's this rice from? Hmm. It says grown in Missouri. Grown in Missouri. <clears throat> All right, here's another story. Climate hawks push carbon fee bill. The Senate's two leading climate hawks, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island and Brian Schatz of Hawaii. Hey, notice they're islands. They'll probably be <laughs> the ones that go underwater first. <laughs> yeah. So they're paying attention. They're, they're actually paying attention to this. Uh, they're pushing for a bill that would make the U.S. climate policy rational and coherent. Wait a second. Rational <laughs> and coherent? <laughs> well, they've got two votes in the Senate. I, we'll <laughs> okay. see if they get the other, <laughs> you know, it'll take them a while to get the other ones. But it's called the American Opportunity Carbon Fee Act. It would charge polluters a fee for their CO2 emissions. Okay, and, wait a second. Right in the name, it says you have the opportunity to pay. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's pay the o- American Opportunity Fee. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to pay. So it's like right there in the name, they're saying it's a choice. You don't have to pay. It's not like an act of actually paying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, think that's the marketing they use. It's a good name for marketing. It sounds great. Oh, American opportunity and calling it a carbon fee rather than a carbon, the T word. <laughs> the T word? Yeah. Tax. Wow. Uh, this would charge polluters a fee for their CO2 emissions and redistribute the revenue to public, to the public. White House and Schatz introduced the bill last month and plan to reintroduce it into the new Congress next year. Well, I like that idea. I mean, you know, you pay a fee to use public roads. So here, the companies pay a fee to use the public air, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, putting pollution in our public airs, so you pay a fee to you use our air. Yeah. And nonpartisan experts inside and outside of the government overwhelmingly agree that climate pollution imposes a cost on the rest of us through extreme weather, property damage, increased healthcare costs, and more. So yeah, through putting this pollution into the air, they're c- causing a cost to all of us. So now this would make them have to pay a fee in response to that. I mean, for 2015, the federal government actually estimates that emitting a metric ton of CO2 or its equivalent will impose $42 in cost to American society. Yeah. So I don't want to pay for them to pollute. <laughs> yeah, every time they decide to emit a metric ton, we've got to pay forty-two dollars, and that's that's just that's a very narrow estimate, that's right? Just, that's the social cost of carbon. I mean, it's not like 
I mean, they, they can't extrapolate huh. to health issues and. Yeah. That's basically their estimate of what we're being cost right now by this carbon. That's not even, you know, long term. But yeah, many experts think the social cost of carbon estimates are on the low side. I mean, think about it. We do this for tobacco. Yeah. Right? For c- cigarettes. Because the cost of secondhand smoke, they were able to calculate how many people get sick from that and how much it's costing the government. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we'll just tax it. And nobody, I mean, I was talking to one of my workers and the cost of cigarettes are outrageous. Yeah, they're really high. I mean, it's like $5 a pack. Yeah. And nobody has any complaint anytime they raise it because it's, you know, they're like, oh, you want to kill yourself with cigarettes? People are like, no problem with that. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, some people complain about it, but most people seem to realize a value to it. And, uh, this, this is a, such an, uh, such a stronger, this is an even stronger case because it affects everybody. You know, if, if you're secondhand smoking, there may be one person next to you affected. Oh, this by is that. secondhand smoke for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is secondhand smoke for the world. So, yeah, if companies were paying the social costs of climate pollution, they'd have to adjust their operations. And, you know, consumers might use less fossil fuels. Companies might produce less fossil fuels. I mean, a study by the think tank Resources for the Future estimated that a carbon fee would actually cut annual emissions by half. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so under their plan... Starting in 2015, major greenhouse gas emitters would pay that $42 for per ton they spew, and that would go up 2% per year to, you know, keep pace with inflation. The fee would be assessed on all coal, oil, and natural gas produced in or imported to the U.S. and would cover large emitters of greenhouse gases from non-fossil fuels like landfills, incinerators, and concentrated animal feeding operations. So... Now, I mean, th- these guys aren't actually expecting this bill to pass in the next Congress, but they've designed it with the hope of it, it attracting at least some Republican support, right? Mm. Yeah. So, to that end, the bill doesn't specify what to do with the revenue from the carbon fees, which could be more than $2 trillion over 10 years. It just lists the set of possibilities. They include rebates to the customers who will face higher electric bills, Retraining of workers in fossil fuel industries, of efforts to cut greenhouse gas emissions project. There's a long list of things, but yeah. the realistic thing is they can spend it however they want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. So aside from the moral imperative, assisting poor countries with their transition to a clean energy economy will be necessary to win their support for a global agreement to cut emissions like this. Yeah. So. There is no um, option in here for foreign aid, so that's actually missing from this. They, yeah. You know, they, so that like, would be a good. Basically, option. they just want the money for us, you <laughs> know. Which, you know, if you're going to get a bunch of millionaires to vote on, is there anybody who's in elected position who's not a millionaire? <laughs> no, I don't think so. so. Well, at least not at that level. You know, maybe local. County offices. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, but I mean, <laughs> not the federal. federal. <laughs> yeah. So, so in other news, we have 269 sunken turbines to make Scotland's home to the world's largest tidal farm. Oh, okay. I was going to say sunken turbines because for me, a turbine <laughs> is wind. Yeah. The, the I was wind. Just like, wait a second. 
if you sink it, <laughs> and then good thing you you know. Yeah, they didn't build the foundation strong enough and it just sank in the. <laughs> no, these are meant to be underwater. These are largest tidal farms, which is a big deal because there actually isn't that many tidal farms. Yeah, tidal. You know, it's it's a new field in the fact that there's very few locations that have like steady flow of water. You know, because turbulence does not produce energy. Yeah, so. it's the steady flow. And this this one is capable of powering nearly 175,000 homes in the UK with 400 megawatts of power. They will break ground next month in northeast Scotland. How do you break ground underwater? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing they break, well, they probably break in water too. <laughs> Just like so they're calling it Atlantis. Breaking the, a little gas while they're at it too, probably. Huh? Yeah. The company is called Atlantis, and it's uh what? <laughs> it's like Atlantis has sunken again. <laughs> yeah, I made sure this wasn't a joke site. It is really a company called Atlantis, and uh, the flagship project has met all the conditions required to start drawing down financing through the UK's Renewable Energy Investment Fund. This company is also working on tidal energy projects off the coast of Canada. So they were recently awarded a feed-in tariff. For up to 4.5 megawatts of tidal power. Yeah. So they can start building it because the government has said they'll pay for it, you know, so. Yeah. So Scotland's trying to hire, trying hard to harness all forms of renewable energy as part of its goal of generating 100% of its electricity demand from renewables by 2020. What? Wow, that's, <laughs> that's really exciting. Okay, what I mean, year is it right now? It's 2015, so yeah, they got, they got like five years. years to go 100%. Yeah, that's an ambitious goal. I mean, they do have a much smaller population than the U.S. Yeah, but, but they're a lucky nation, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the cliche yeah. that Scot- <laughs> Scottish people are lucky? Yeah, they're lucky. So well, they're lucky they have a government who believes in 100% renewables. <laughs> yeah, I wish we had a government that believed in that. It's just like... And t- they're trying to do it by 2020, too. You know, I hear all of these goals in the U.S., like... Oh, you know, let's be like 20% cleaner by 2050. Like, what? <laughs> Have like, you seen the science? It's just like, I'll cuss less and yeah. I could be 20% cleaner right now. Yeah. It's like. That's like saying, I'll beat people up a little bit less by 20 years from now, 30 years like from that. now. But yeah, Scotland. No, it's not like that. Come on. It just, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Scotland's going, they're going all 100% clean energy by 2020. That's the goal. And they've got a lot of wind power too, so wind plus tidal, I mean, that's a pretty good deal. So. The holidays, it's still the holidays. Yes. You can still say happy holidays. Um, today is Boxing Day. Do you know what that actually is? Boxing I, Day, it's, all, it's a holiday. <laughs> I had someone explain to me, it's an English holiday. Yeah, I know it's an English holiday. I don't remember exactly what it is, yeah, but the like, internet will tell us, I'm sure. <laughs> I've had someone explain it to me, but I completely forgot. Yeah. Because it had, you know, I don't know. Um, it's also, um, tell everybody that the Jesus season was good or bad for our economy. <laughs> yeah. Day. Oh, right? yeah, like, to decide whether or not Christmas was good. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> this holiday comes from the Middle Ages. It's when the... Members of the merchant class would take boxes, fill them with food and fruit, and give them to the servants and tradespeople and less fortunate. Oh, okay. So if you got some money, remember, you know, it's time to, to share it with people who are in need. So, so it's, it's a like, good holiday. Yeah, that's a good one. You can donate to Good Samaritan Ministries or many of the other agencies around here. 
Saturday is make cutout snowflakes days, which <laughs> it's going to be sunny. So, you know, that's kind of fun. Yeah, you can sit out on your front porch. And <laughs> sit out on your front porch in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, tell um, the kids what winter used to be like. <laughs> make cutout. It's also National Fruitcake Day. Yeah. This is the day that all those fruitcakes you receive, you decide whether you're going to eat it, or the ones you didn't get a chance to re-gift from the year before. Yeah. You decide whether you're going to re-gift it, or you're going to decide where you, which door you're going to use it as a doorstop. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was just thinking, too. <laughs> just like- We've had some of the same fruitcakes. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday is card playing day, so remember to play some card games. And... uh Oh, Tuesday is National Bicarbonate of Soda Day, and Wednesday is Make Up Your Mind Day, and New Year's Eve, and Unlucky Day. <laughs> Just like, Thursday is New Year's, what? Already. So we have to wrap up the show by saying, see you next year? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't believe it's already in the year 2015. Yes. <laughs> next time we will be seeing you in the future. <laughs> Just like, um... I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's December, and I think this would be a perfect weekend for going for hiking. <laughs> yeah, I think it would, actually. I mean, it's going to be good weather. I mean, like, at least today it's good weather. I haven't seen the full forecast lately. It's like, well, next year is here, and that means stone soup. Yes. Every year, the Sierra Club... Do you know the story of Stone Soup? Yeah, I know that story. I wonder how many people don't know it. If you don't know it, send me what you think Stone Soup means. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Don't look it up. If you don't don't know it, it (laughs) I really would like to see what people think when I'm saying Stone Soup. Yeah, and you can show up at the event to find out. (laughs) On Thursday, January 1st, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., at the Giant City Park Shelter Number 2. And if it is actually cold, that's the shelter that has, like, two fireplaces, one on each end. Yeah. Um, brave the cold, defy the elements. Wait a second, this is the Sierra Club. You don't, Why would you be defying the elements? <laughs> Just like, um, don't defy it. Embrace the elements. Enjoy there the cold. <laughs> it's, like, it's invigorating. Join the Sierra Club Shawnee Group for their traditional outdoor picnic on New Year's Day from 11 to 3. This is at Shelter Number 2 in beautiful Giant City State Park for a potluck picnic featuring hot soup to warm your cold hands. You are invited to bring a soup ingredient pre-cooked and or a dish to pass and reusable table service. The event is free and open to everybody. Enjoy hikes, fun, food, and fire. That was almost a bunch of Fs. <laughs> they threw in a hike for some reason. Yeah. But um, it is the Sierra Club. They like doing that hiking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, they do a hike. There's a ton of different foods. There's two soups. And you can find out what <laughs> stone soup is. Yes. And depending on how you spend your New Year's Eve, you can either... Uh, get to bed early and go to this early at 11 a.m. Or you can stay up all night and <laughs> come over there at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So either way, it sounds like a good time out there. Yep. So, and then mark your calendar for um, the Martin Luther King celebration. Yeah, that's that's coming up on Sunday, January 18th. Yeah. But if you would like to 
be in the choir? I know they usually are looking for lots and lots of people, right? To yeah. Sing in the choir. Yeah, the more the merrier for the community choir. It's coming up. The practices for it are coming up on Saturday, January 10th, and Saturday, January 17th at 10 a.m. at Rock Hill Baptist Church. And then they're also having another practice on the day of the event, getting there a little bit early. Uh, yeah. So it's good. I've participated in that before. It's actually yeah. fun. Yeah. Huh. It's, you know, I'm not the world's best singer, but I, I practice with them. And well, it's, if it's a, with a bunch of people, you <laughs> you just blend. Yeah, you, you blend. You kind of like blend with people. So. Yeah. And you stand close to someone who's got a similar vocal range to you. So <laughs> you listen to them and it helps you. What if everybody's listening to each other and everybody is horrible? <laughs> oh, I know there, I know there's at least going to be one good singer there. <laughs> okay, good. So everybody listen to that singer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, the Martin Luther King celebration, mark your calendar for Sunday, January 18th at the Civic Center at 4 p.m. Yeah. So. Oh, that's, I think that's all the happenings we have for this time. Okay. If you would like your happenings to happen, please email them to the happening guys at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We will see you again. <laughs> In the future. In the future, next year <laughs> yes. on the radio. Enjoy. <laughs>